Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Praise God. Amen. Again, it's a joy to bring the Word of God this morning, and I do ask the Holy Spirit to enable me to bring something from the heart of God, maybe some instruction or help for some of you out there that are hungry to hear something from the Lord. Father, I pray as we come around your Word today, we know that you're working in every life, Lord God, and you treat every one of us as if we were the only person on this planet, Lord. Such intimacy we have with you, Lord. You're an amazing God. Lord, and it's our joy to stand and acknowledge you and worship you, Lord, on this your day, the Lord's day. And I ask God this morning, Lord, whoever's watching, Father, that, Lord, you'll give me, you'll animate me, Lord God, you'll, you'll use me as a vessel, God, just to bring some comfort in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord God, for you have lifted me so many times from pits, oh God, pits of my own making, Father. I've strayed so many times, Lord God, but yet in your kindness, Lord, you have never forsaken me. And you will never forsake those two, Lord. And I pray this morning, your name will be honored again one more time from the pulpit of Cork Church in Jesus' precious name. I want to go back to a scripture I touched on a couple of weeks ago because it hasn't left me really. Maybe it's because I battle with this at times. You know, sometimes as preachers, we do preach things that we battle with ourselves. And I actually want to deal with the topic of disappointment. And I want to go back to a scripture in Luke chapter 24. If you have a Bible this morning, it's worth going back in there. It's a famous story. We are coming up to the time of Easter, so you're going to be hearing a lot of emphasis, and rightly so, on the greatest calendar event of the Christian calendar, the time of Easter. But this story is set post-Easter, or Easter period. It's just after the resurrection. And let me give you a long reading, but I think it's good for us. Unfortunately, today, we don't have a lot of people who read very well or very much, and I would encourage you to start picking up your Bible and even read small portions every day, just to, particularly the Gospels. You have to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You have to get to know the Savior. You have to get to know what he thought and how he reacted and who he was and who it is, who is it that saved you and those incredible parables that he taught and the communications he had with the people of his time and how that transcends time and even touches your heart and feeds you today. So... Um, this is reading from verse 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking in the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here in the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said he was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some of the women of our group of his followers were at the tomb early this morning. And they come back with an amazing report. They said that his body was missing. 
And they had seen angels who told them that he's alive. And some of our men ran to see. And sure enough, the body was gone, just as the woman had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all the things that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus, and at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he was going to go on, but they begged him, stay the night with us, since this is getting late. So he went home with them, and they sat down to eat, and he took bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them, and suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and all. And at, at that moment he disappeared. Then they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And, and within that hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. I hope you can say amen. And they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them. And they said, the Lord has really risen. He has appeared to Peter. Praise the Lord this morning. It is a powerful reading. If you just wanted to meditate like that for the crucifixion has taken place. There's immense disappointment. These men are grossly disappointed. And, and disappointment, friends, when you meet enough disappointments in your life, it can cause you to walk away. You know, some here this morning and you're watching and you've, you haven't had the most glorious of life. You've been disappointed with a bad marriage. The man that you fell in love with doesn't love you the same way. Some of you are disappointed today because you've lost your job or people have disappointed you, let you down. Some are disappointed because they never had a baby. Others are disappointed because they had a child and found out it has additional needs and it's not what they really expected in their life. And others are disappointed because friends have let them down. Christians have let them down. The church has left them down. Recently, I'm hearing so much chatter online about Christian leaders leaving people down with the great fall of a great Christian apologist. And so, so many people are disappointed. And these disappointments, friends, can, can rob you of proper concentration. They can rob you of what really is going on. What is the plan? You know, just this week, and I hope you'll be able to go and watch it. We had a lovely conversation with Pastor Gary Wilkerson. Um, the director of World Challenge. He's a personal friend. Uh, the, the, he's the son of David Wilkerson of the Cross and the Switchblade. But when we asked him a question, you know, that, tell us a little bit about your life. And he, sure enough, he opened up, he shared stories that many of you will not realize. I mean, not only did he ha have a car accident and broke his back and shattered two vertebrae, he then was diagnosed straight after that with cancer of the throat. You know, preceding all that, his mom and dad were suddenly taken in tragic accidents from him. He lost a niece to cancer. They lost a child at birth. You know, and all of a sudden you start hearing that all these massive disappointments had disappointments within his family. We, some of his children went very wayward. Thank be to God they're back with the Lord today. But he went through a terrible time. Terrible disappointments landed at it. And, you know, and I said, well, what was it, Gary, that helped you to process through? He said, I had to go back again and get a proper view of the scriptures. Because I had a view that once I had God in my life, it's meant to go a certain direction. Things are meant to work out a certain way. And that's the thinking that everybody has. I would have thought it was like this. I think back of Naaman. And you all know the story of Naaman. He was the king of the army of Aram. And, you know, he, the, 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 the Armenians were enemies of Israel. But they heard as a prophet in Israel. And so he goes to Israel, cap in hand, 
to hear from a prophet called Elisha, believing that Elisha can heal him because he heard a message that Elisha was a prophet of God. He goes to the prophet's house. The prophet doesn't even come out of the house to greet him. He's really disappointed. That's really cold shoulder. Man, you go to that church, nobody shook my hand this morning. You know, you know it doesn't matter that the presence of God was there. God spoke to me, nobody shook my hand. They didn't do it the way I wanted them to do it. And so he's outside, he's indignant, you know, he's disappointed. He's ready to walk away because he's disappointed. He thinks it should be a certain way. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. And so not only that, insult to injury, out comes a word from, from Gehesia, who's the servant of Elisha. Gehesia just, you know, strolls out the door and says, nice to meet you, Mr. Captain of the big army from the big enemy. But if you go to the Jordan and dip seven times your skin, he was a leper, of course. If you dip in the Jordan seven times, your skin will be that like of, ch of a child. And he's disappointed. What garbage am I listening to? Are not the rivers of the, the far, far, I can't remember the other, the Obama and the far, far, the rivers of Aram, are they not much nicer and beautiful than this rinky dinky? You must remember the Jordan was quite a depleted river. It's very depleted today. Nothing like this great river. And a lot of waste ran into that river as well. And he's like, you want me to go into that stinking Jordan? And you want me to dip? You want me to go through the waters of baptism? You want me to publicly identify with Jesus? You want to be, that's insulting to me. I don't like that sort of stuff. But you know what? He didn't like it. He could have walked away disappointed. But you know, the Bible says that they just live by faith. Trusting God. Every turn of your life. Every event. And I think about these two on the Emmaus Road. And these are disciples. Jesus had many disciples. He had a core 12. He had women followers. And he had other disciples on the periphery that were very much engaged in his ministry. And these two were very much engaged. And you, you hear from their testimony. They're meeting Jesus. They're so disappointed. You know, I love the translations. It's a sadness was written all over their face. All, they couldn't disguise it. There was, no, there was no upside to this because now Jerusalem is awash with rumor. Everything's gone wrong. The man that they thought was going to be the Messiah, the prophet that came in and they saw the miracles and they just couldn't understand it. They, they couldn't compute it. And, and now there's this, they believe with the, there's all these rumors going around Jerusalem that there's a purge happening that the, the, the religious and the Romans are going to go in and they're going to purge this Christian testimony. And so the Christians are running to the hills, really. They're going in all different directions. They're hiding up in houses and they're, they're in back rooms. And these two are on the way to Emmaus. They're like getting out of Dodge because they think this purge is going to come and anyone connected with Jesus is going to you know, end up in prison or worse. And so they're on the way out. And then as they're leaving, they're hearing those rumors. And then as they're leaving, they're hearing, well, do you know what? He did teach that he's going to rise from the dead, but nobody really believed that. And then they're hearing stories from, from it's, the rumor mill is just going all over Jerusalem. They're confused. They're disappointed. They can't see beyond because they had an idea that the Messiah should be a certain way. They had an idea that their lives should take a certain pattern and that should be it. And so they're deeply disappointed you get enough disappointments and it will lead you away. And, you know, I, I love the, the fact that, you know, even though they're walking away, Jesus is walking after them. Amen. I love it. I love the fact that he says, I will not leave you. Not, uh, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Actually, Father, I want to turn to a verse that we all know very, very well. It's uh, in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. And I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. 
we, we say another verse that says, he who began the good work in you is faithful to complete it. And really what he's saying, God has started something and he hasn't brought you this far to disappoint you. He hasn't brought you this sour brethren around him that really took aim against his ministry, against people that turned their back on him. People, you know, he, the guy was stoned to death at one time, shipwrecked twice, spent a day and a night in the sea, received 39 lashes on his back. I'm telling you, friends, he was persecuted, pillared to post, and then persecuted by the church. The, the so-called elites of the Christian church persecuted him. If anyone had a reason to be disappointed, it was this man. But he had learned something. He had learned something that God is working a plan. And he believes us. And we, this, is, this is what we need to come back to today as Christians, that regardless of the trial that you're in, and that's not to deny the trial that you're in. That's not to deny the awful situations you may find yourself in today, but to come back to revelation. And we're going to go to that in a moment because there needs to be revelation in our life. Amen. We need to live in constant communion with God. We need to live in that place, friends, where, where we have that contact with the Holy Spirit. And, and that's what sees us through because we are now living in a time where churches cannot come together for whatever reason, whether we believe them to be reasonable or unreasonable. The fact of the matter is that you are now on your own. Or are you? Or are you? Or is this one of the great maturings of God's Holy Spirit? Amen. To start to see you and I put on our big boy pants. Hallelujah. To start seeing that Jesus said, oh, you foolish, did you not realize, did you not hear what I said, through much trial you enter the kingdom? Did you not listen to, in the world you'll have persecution? Did you not listen when I said, men will hate and revile you and say, all oh, manners of evil against you because of my name's sake? Did you not hear what I'm telling you? That these are part of the journey, amen. Don't be disappointed. I actually... My son Jordan, he's a, he's a minister now in Geneva with his wife Chelsea. And one, I have four boys, as many of you well know. And Jordan, you know, as always, all my sons thrill my heart. All my children and my grandchildren, even, I won't say more so, but um, yeah, more so. No, they don't. But he, he put up a video about two or three years ago because Jordan's oxymoron is this he's classical piano and he loves rap. Can you get that? Yet he's a tremendous worshiper. And he did a video and he, and, and he put up a line and it was called Type to Disappoint. You know, and it was all about how he's the type to disappoint people. Or just, but, you know, and I was incensed because he's never disappointed me. You know, but he knows himself. We are all the type to disappoint. Amen. We are all the type that disappoint. But you know what? I began to realize that may be true, but there's a higher truth. Do you know that you never disappoint God? You can never disappoint someone who knows everything about your failings and your future failings. Amen? You can't disappoint someone who's already imputed a righteousness and a name and a title and a position. Hallelujah. You can't disappoint him. You can't, you, 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 you can't trick him. You can't surprise him. And, but yet, we're in this world Yet we're, we hear as a testimony in a dark and fallen world, friends, that's under the heel of darkness, but not forever. Even though the legal hold of sin and the powers of darkness are broken at Calvary, the enforcement of the new rule will happen at a future moment. Amen. Thanks be to God, the armies of heaven will come back. 
And whether it's by death or by rapture, friends, you will be lifted up to a heavenly place. But I love this story. I love it because it reminds me of myself. It reminds me of so many of us that in our Christian life, you know, I think about David. And he says, I think it's Psalm 120, I have it written down here, the exact Psalm, but I think it's, I think it's Psalm 34. 37. Verse 25, I've been a young man, but now I'm old. Yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. There's some here even this morning in-house with us that come in to help with the service and they're way past the age of 21 and they've walked and they could say, I was young, once young, but now I'm old, but I can say one thing. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Hallelujah. There is something, friends, when you start to embrace the very plan of God for your life, when you start to embrace the journey, when you start to embrace the words of Christ, when you said, I, lend, I put you as sheep among wolves, friends. I put you into a world of darkness that you would be the shining light for my testimony. And yet these men are walking with Christ and they're walking on the road and they can't see him. How often it has been that you and I in our Christian journey, that Christ has come in our moments of disappointment and doubt as we're walking in the other direction. How often is it was that we have entertained angels, even unbeknownst, amen, or other people that the Holy Spirit has sent along the journey with us and to relight and rekindle something that's dying inside us, even though you're disappointed. Oh, I'm disappointed with that pastor or that church or that person. Well, I want to tell you one thing. You'll have loads of those disappointments, but the Bible says our hope will not disappoint. Hallelujah. Our hope is not a church. Our hope is not a pastor. Our hope is not a big ministry. Our hope is not a collection of the whole lot. Our hope is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And even though that can be veiled at times because it's to provoke something in you, it's to strip away. You know, take your eyes off of all these other transient things and begin to realize who it is that has set a promise into your life. Who it is has said, I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. He says, praise his wonderful name. Paul writes in Romans 5, <clears throat> and this hope will not lead to disappointment, he says, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Oh, another translation in English. He has shed abroad his love in our hearts. And we know, friends, that we will not be disappointed. And I want, to, I want to provoke that thought with you this morning. I want to provoke an antidote to your disappointments without going into the catalog of so many things that disappoint us. And they are all there. Not just colleagues that betray you or gossip or disappearing friends. Or that crazy boss you have to work for or your shattered dreams and you're disappointed with it. Your plans that have all failed and you're disappointed. The people around you that didn't measure up. Christians, as I said, that have failed you. You're disappointed with yourself. Probably the greatest disappointment I face is me. I can take it out on other people. Very clever, that's deflection. But we're disappointed with us leaving for Emmaus, bugging out. And yet, there has to come a revelation. And I think 
we have to live in constant revelation. I think as Christians, it's not good enough to go back on back past experiences, friends. And just even, even to pull a scripture, and, to, and, it, and you should pull a scripture out and, it's, and it becomes a revelation to you. It can become a dead word. It can become a hyperbole, and an apostrophe after a sentence or a full stop. It can lack its power. It can become a platitude. And this revelation comes in. I said that a few weeks ago, but I say it again because it's important. And yet these men, as they're walking, they're broken. They're disappointed, as I said. Yet Christ walks after them. And every backslider, you hear me this morning, God is walking after you. You have bugged out. I went off and got it myself. And now you're in a bad marriage. Or else you're in a good marriage, but you've lost your spiritual and moral compass and don't know how to restore it. And don't know how to find testimony again. Don't know how to find your bearing. Every backslider that's been exposed to the presence of God. Now you my friends. And yet God chases you. Isn't that amazing? You should leave the whole jolly lot of us to rot in our self-pity and our own set of... We've all contributed to the mess. And yet, I always quote to him, I must get the full free one day. Oh, love that will not let me go. The, oh, the, unre- the relentless love of God chases me down, fights for me, leaves the 99, and so he is walking with them a whole day. I wonder how long God has been striving with you. I wonder how long he's been walking and trying to remind you as you've walked the duns and you've walked the, sh- the shops and gone to work in your car. And what about your house duties or looking after your family? How many times has he walked and walked and walked with you because he wants to break bread with you? He wants to commune with you. And so we see what's happening here. He brings them to a place of communion with him. Communion is not just engaging. It's a place of impartation. It's a place where the Holy Spirit begins to impart to you again a fresh touch of the heart of God. Even breaking of bread. It's, a, it's such a phenomenal place as Christians. It's so important, the breaking of bread, that when you do it the wrong way and you take, you take it with flippancy and not esteeming what God is doing. People died in the New Testament church. They got sick and they died. Because there's a place of impartation. There's a place of revelation comes when we come into communion with God. When we come into the presence of God, there is something that lives within us. And Christian, when Paul talks about God has given us the Holy Spirit to bring the love of God, to shed a love abroad in our, the love of God abroad in our hearts. This is where God wants to bring us back to. The way out of your disappointments, there's only one answered feet and coming back to the place of Calvary. And so as these two men, <clears throat> with all their disappointments and all their arguments and all their theories and all their conspiracies, and talking about everything and anything, but they're missing the point. Christ is with them. And so revelation has to come in the midst of all your confusion, in the midst of your backsliddenness, in the midst of your, as I said, I don't want to keep on using the word disappointment, but it's there. Disappoint, disappoint. In the midst of it all, line them all up. There's, they could make dominoes from here to the moon. It doesn't matter. I don't know the one in. There's loads of them to go there. There's loads. You're the first one on the whole pack. But the way through it is to come into the presence of God and to understand that even though a bomb may go off and we're in a thousand different parts of the body, that Christ has shed his love abroad in your heart, that you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, 
You're not his because you're part of Cork Church. You're his because you're part of Christ. You're not his because you can come in here this morning and sit in a wonderful, comfortable red chair. Wonderful, it's awesome. You're his because right where you are, God has put his love into your heart. God has put the Holy Spirit in you. And as Jesus began to tell them, you know, you must understand, John, Mary, listen to me, whoever you are, you must understand this life is difficult. It's difficult even if you're not a Christian. They have no hope. They have no understanding of the hour they're in. But they're self-help groups and they're crossing their fingers and they're hoping that change will happen. I spoke to someone recently. You know, and they obviously believed that this was going to purge humanity in some level and greater virtue would come out of us after this lockdown. I'm saying, oh man, have you learned nothing from history? And they said it will never happen again. Be old acquaintance, be forgot. You know, old Lang Syne and all the promises for a better new year and a better century and a better millennium and all the promises from presidents and leaders of nations and institutions on our planet, all promising peace. But there is no peace until the Prince of Peace comes. But for you and for me, the Prince of Peace, the Son of Righteousness has arrived in our hearts, friends. What a joy to begin to have a revelation. And if you haven't got that this morning, why don't you get in your knees somewhere quietly and say, oh Jesus, I know you touched my life, but I'm so disappointed and led me away. But God, I'm coming back to you today. I'm coming back to that communion with you, that sweet fellowship that I've been promised, unbroken fellowship. We heard it Wednesday night, the open heaven. And Jesus chases them. Their hearts are burning. Have you ever met a Christian and your heart begins to burn because there's something so Christ-like in them? Well, that's what God wants to do with you. It's not. He wants you to be the other person. Amen. He wants you to be that one. And so their hearts are burning in his presence. They don't know even why. And he sits down and in their home. They're not in church. I don't see any church building here. I don't see any synagogue. I see a home. I see two disappointed men with a whole view of what life should look like according to their theology. Some think that their lives are meant to be without trial or trouble, significant roadblocks, without significant trial. Well, I'm telling you, friends, Jesus has never, ever said that was going to be your portion. But he said, in the midst of it all, you can have unbroken fellowship with me. And I'm leaving you there. The plan is, did you not read the plan, Nick? And in that journey, I will never leave you on your own. I'll send the Holy Spirit in you. He's living inside in every Christian. Can you just switch on to that fact this morning? That God has shed abroad his love in his heart. He's sent the Holy Spirit to bring the love of God into your heart. That's the testimony of every true believer. And there comes a time where you have to start talking to the Holy Spirit. There comes a time where you have to start saying, eyes off everybody, amen. And eyes on to what God has done and center yourself again as a believer. You have to center yourself. You have to get things into perspective, friends. Just think for one moment, if you had never come under the influence of the gospel, you had no understanding what was spiritually up or down, right or wrong, that you were just literally like the animal, satisfying your basic uh, des desires and your basic needs. 
and get into a place of today when nothing seems to satisfy that what was right or wrong, where we were going, why we were born, why we were ever born anyhow. Why was I born a white guy? Why wasn't I born a black, white, and that nice beautiful skin like Patrick has? Why was I born an Irishman and not someone more elegant like an English speaker? Or whatever it might be. Ever watched those questions? They, they dog them, they dog them. Anyone outside of Christ, they dog them. All the time, the purpose, the meaning of life. And then all of a sudden, Christ comes. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, perspective. But that's not a magic wand to say that you're going to be without trial, difficulty, without obstruction, without tension. It's only in those places do you actually grow and develop. And so, coming back to that place, these men, and Jesus said, oh, you foolish, about the suffering of the Messiah. And then, it comes to that great place. And I think this is where we have to come to. You have to, by hook or by crook, come to this place this morning. Because if you don't deal with your disappointments here at the cross, your disappointments will deal with you. And they will lead you into barren places. They will lead you into dry places, friends, that you will, there is no water there. There is no hope. Because I want to tell you, Jesus never fails. And he never disappoints. I have been mostly disappointed. I don't think there's been another person on this planet I've been, and there's myriads of disappointments within the people around us and the world around us. I was coming into my car this morning and I was thinking about these thoughts and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, honestly, you can bring it to my remembrance now, but I don't think I've ever been disappointed with you. I've been disappointed because I thought maybe you should have worked out better, but I know one thing, that you are working everything out to your will. And even me being locked down away from my families and friends and people that I love dearly, I submit to you because you know what you're doing. And Lord, I know you live in me. And if I spend the rest of my life, whoever I am, on my own, the Holy Spirit is in my life and I can have communion with God. And these two men in a little house in the Emmaus, and Jesus simply breaks bread and there's a revelation of those nail-pierced hands. They see it, friends. They see then looked a bit more closely. He's very marred, that face. He's very broken. They see possibly the, the stigmata of it, the blood coming through, the wound in his side. And maybe there's a revelation. And maybe you and I this morning need to have a fresh revelation of the suffering of our Savior, the love that he shed for us at Calvary, and that he has won us, friends, the right to have access to the throne of grace, that regardless of whatever the enemy, and I'm going to tell you, friends, the world knows nothing of what I'm saying this morning because they have no answers. They have no sense of purpose of where this is going, but you and I know that Christ is working everything out of his plan for your life and for my life, and one day he's going to come back. But maybe now and then, I pray that God will give you a revelation of the cross of Jesus Christ, of the love of God that was shed abroad in your life, and of the third person of the triune God, the Holy Spirit of God coming in and living inside in you and bringing the life of God in you so you can talk to God. Something that most of us don't do. We talk to ourselves. You ain't having an audience with God when you talk to yourself. You aren't having an audience with yourself. But when you deliberately talk to God and sit down and speak to the Holy Spirit who lives within you, Holy Spirit, show me Christ. Holy Spirit, Aliven me again with your passions and your love for the lost, for Christ, for God, for pure. Point of time. It hastens till the end. In other words, it's rushing to the end. It will not lie. It seems slow. 
You know, it's amazing, isn't it? I was a young man, now I'm an old man. I thought it was going to get to, forever to get to 54. I'm not old, my mom would kill me after. You're not old at 54, you know. But some would say, yeah, I understand. It's only like yesterday I turned 80. It's like only yesterday I was only 20 years of age. Because the vision is hastening. It's moving at rapid pace. It's moving at such pace, friends, that the older Christians here say, where's the time gone? And even the young Christians are saying, oh my goodness, I might even have time to get married. Jesus looks like he's coming back. Hallelujah. It will surely come. It will not delay, friends. The plan of God is coming. The Holy Spirit is in you. You're not outside of his will. You're in Christ. You're in his will. Hebrews 3, 5 says, quoting, writers quoting Christ, I will never leave thee, nor will I forsake thee. Hallelujah. Our hope will not disappoint. And as Christ begins to focus them back upon those nail-pierced hands, upon that cross, had, after he explained everything to what was to happen, this is what Paul says, it's the preceding couple of verses of chapter 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us to develop in endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope in our salvation. And this hope will not lead us to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, this morning, I just pray that there may even be one out there, Lord, that's walking away like the ones in the Emmaus Road, disappointed, disillusioned. That God, you would come and give them a revelation that you had to suffer. And they have to suffer, not for their salvation. They suffer in a world that's full of sin, full of drudgery. But they're there for purpose now. And our suffering is not without purpose. Our suffering is with purpose. Hallelujah. The world is suffering without purpose, friends. It's suffering in the same lockdowns, the same problems, the same health issues. The same disappointments with people and bosses and dreams and shattered dreams. But there's no purpose in their suffering. There's purpose in yours. So that you would reveal the cross of Jesus Christ. For it has pleased the Father to reveal his Son in you and me. This is the plan of God, friends. Come back this morning and get your eyes upon Jesus. Look at that cross from whence life has been extended to you and to the whole human race. If you eat of my body, drink of my blood... In other words, imbibe what that cross means. You will have life eternal. You will never die, friends. You will live forever. Jesus, I pray this morning as we, as we just marvel at your grace and your goodness. Lord, as we see, Lord God, and as many of us could stand up and talk about a litany of disappointments. But, oh God, we look to the cross of Jesus today. And every Christian says, I am not disappointed with you. For now I see that, Lord God, you are not on that cross. You are truly risen. It's not a conspiracy, Lord. You have risen and you've put the Holy Spirit in me. And I pray, God, you bring revelation of that cross in a more powerful way as we are on our own, Lord. We lift up our hands in worship this morning. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that despite, Lord, this disappointing world and this disappointing life, that there's a greater weight of glory, Lord, in the midst of this fallen world, so under the heel of sin and oppression, that, Lord, your plan is remains steadfast. The security we have, Lord, is undeniable. The place and position that we 
own as Christians, Lord, is without question. And we thank you, Father. We stand in the righteousness of Christ in the merits of Calvary. And we love you today, Lord God. And Lord, now, Lord, we are turning around and going back to Jerusalem. We're walking away, Lord Jesus, we were. But Lord, we are turning around and we're coming back to, to the cross, back to the central point of what Christianity is all about, Lord. Lord, this has happened many, many times in history, Lord, when we've been to the four winds, Lord, because of persecution or whatever evil. But in the midst of that place, God, you have met with us, Lord, and you will meet with us now, and you are meeting with us now. I thank you for the ones and twos, Lord, and the threes and the small families, Lord, gathering around the word of God, gathering around screens, praying together. I pray, God, as we walk the streets, Lord, as we walk our four or five K, whatever it might be, but God, we will have communed. Say these things to your children as you walk along the road. Tell them how I brought you out of Egypt to my wondrous right hand. Tell them about the miracles that I brought into your life. As we reaffirm again, oh God, the journey that you brought us on. Lord, we have, and you never will. And so Lord, we open up to the revelation of Calvary, the cross, the power of God. And we'll go back to Jerusalem. We take our place in the fight. We take our place in the stand, Lord God. And we ask you, Lord, to we confer a blessing upon us and a strength as we face another Monday morning, Lord, with all the who began the good work in me hasn't brought me this far to disappoint. You will complete it. In every Christian, you are going to complete it. And we thank you for this. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.